Welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave DiOrio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two players to be named later. What's up, Sarah and Gene? Hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. Um, I um, can't think of a funny reply. That's two weeks in a row I struck out. That's a shame. Um, but if you want someplace I'm more consistently funny, try older episodes of Potadelphia. If you want episodes where I'm on my high horse, visit me on Twitter. Uh, that's at Sarah Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. It's amazing how often player to be named later gets traded. The guy must suck. But he can't stick anywhere. Or he's very uh, in demand. You can find me on Twitter at Producer Gene. Uh, I'm probably not going to be saying anything. I'm probably just going to be piggybacking on something that Sarah said. And uh, if not piggybacking off of something that she said, I'll probably be piggybacking off of pot at Potadelphia, because this is the bit that will never die. <laughs> um, so I, I, I want to start with the Eagles today, because we, uh, we kind of haven't talked birds uh, in ages. And, you know, while I'm not really into practice scouting reports, like, I, I, I God, I... Drives me nuts because I've been seeing all these Twitter reports it's like, you know, so-and-so looks good. So-and-so looks like a struggle, but it's early. So all this stuff can change. It's like, great. So you basically made a word salad and then threw it in the trash at the end. Um, but I think the most compelling thing that's going on with the Eagles right now is what's up with Carson Wentz. Wait, wait, wait. Carson Wentz isn't on the team. <laughs> We never talked about that, you know that we never. Uh, well, that's never, also that's also like the never-ending joke. We never we never discussed the Carson Wentz trade to Indianapolis, but um, Carson Wentz, Indianapolis Colt. Uh, he uh, he hurt his foot. He's got a bum wheel, um, and that requires surgery, and he's going to be Carson out. Carson Wentz got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happening with the show already. It's less than three minutes in and I'm already like, I've lost control of the show. I, I don't know if I'm having technical difficulties or <laughs> I'm just confused on what's happening. Yes. Carson Wentz got hurt. Uh, as in a surprise to no That's one. That's unlike him. I know. I know it really, well, it's unlike him, you know, it's this before the season starts. It's usually when it's like really, really important. He goes down. Um, but yeah, he's going to be out, uh, five to uh, 12 weeks. Um, a nice uh, range with, there. What's that, Gene? That's that's a nice range there. Like, <laughs> uh, trust me, I, I'm feeling like it's going to be the long end of that. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, so I mean, how do you feel about this? Because there's a draft pick tied up with this, right? So if Carson Wentz takes 75 percent of the snaps, uh, our second round pick that we got from the Colts conveys into a first, or if he takes 70 percent of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs, uh, that that pick. Uh, conveys into a first. So are you like, oh my God, Carson Wentz, you're fucking us over again. All right, I'll go first. So I was the one that was probably the most anxious to um, want to jump to Carson Wentz's defense. I, I don't know. Um, until I realized like what that compensation really was. And I, I got to honestly say that at this point, I, I'd almost rather have the the second round pick because 
it's going to be about the the same as as a late first round pick if if he comes back and is they make the playoffs. It's you know we're we're not talking about a huge difference in uh, draft capital. It's not like it would be converting into like a top fifteen pick because in order to do that, um, Carson Wentz would have to play really really well. Um, I think it's interesting that sort of like what you were talking about um, the first couple days of camp, there was just nothing but. Um, heaps and heaps of praise on how well Carson Wentz was playing. And if you looked, watched ESPN from those first night, uh, those first days of camp, it was just highlight after highlight of him, you know, dodging tacklers who weren't allowed to touch him and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was sort of surprising that uh, sort of under these conditions, this early in camp that he would come down with such a serious injury. Um, I don't know that it was, Contact related because I I haven't been reading that much into it. I mean, all I needed to hear was that he was going to need surgery. Um, but yeah, so at this point, he's a Colt, so he's their he's their problem. And um, for all those people that want to trade for Nick Foles, I'm sure Chicago will take your call. <laughs> I mean, for me, I'm having a a hard time balancing. The, the schadenfreude of Wentz going down versus uh, versus how much the first round pick would help the Eagles. So I'm I'm all aboard Team Tank this year for the Eagles. Um, I'm not certain, you know, we we haven't gotten there quite yet in our in our conversation, but I'm for fun, exciting, and I'm okay if we lose. So that first round pick would come in really handy, but I really kind of love Carson Wentz leaving Philly and uh, continuing to have a hard time staying on the field. Not that I wish the man injury. I just, I just find it funny. And I really would, I really would love to see Foles go in and take his job at another location. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you have to be, you, you have to be of one of two minds here. And I think that, you know, your enjoyment of the NFL season is going to certainly play a part of this. And, you know, you can look at it and say, oh, you know, we really want the Colts to do or we want Carson to start every game. And you can walk this fine line, right? Like play just well enough to stay in every game, but play just bad enough. So we don't feel bad about trading you. Um, and at this point, just hope that the Colts are as bad as possible. So the second round pick is a high second round pick and kind of makes it feel like a low first round pick because I mean, look, he's, he's going to miss at least like half the season uh, or somewhere around that, you know, maybe a third of the season. Uh, it's just going to be a mess. And you, cause like, you know, we've been here, right? Like Carson Wentz is going to come back. It's going to be like helter skelter, and then at the end of the season, everyone's going to say like, oh, but he was hurt. Just wait till next year, like when he's healthy and we get a full offseason and he gets a full training camp. It's like, no, no. Like we've been down this path before. We know exactly what's going to happen. And for everyone who's like, you know, we didn't get enough in that trade or, you know, we shouldn't have made that trade. We didn't get like full value in that trade. Imagine just imagine for a second that we didn't make that trade and Carson Wentz is here. And I mean, I guess we had the Jalen Hurts thing waiting in the wings, but we would be stuck with, a, you know, another injured quarterback 
another injured Carson Wentz, another season of, you know, what might have been or whatever, you know, whatever you want to try to convince yourself. Eventually, you got to admit, either admit you were wrong about Carson Wentz, you know, <laughs> and, and like cut bait. I was a Wentz guy, you know. I mean, I still think that Wentz over Foles was the right was the right play, but I honestly thought Wentz was going to be like truly great, like a like a franchise great quarterback. And it's just like just didn't quite pan out that way. And you know, sometimes you just gotta like admit when you're wrong and move on. I don't know if it was became a psychology uh, psychological issue with him uh, last season. I, I've never quite seen a quarterback who had so much going for him, at least as, in terms of how he played the position and with instincts, um, sort of abandon all of the uh, the instincts and all of the sort of um, mental aspects of the game that he used to sort of uh, do well. I mean, he was never, um, you know, he was never like a, uh, a savant. He was never like a Joe Montana read the defense sort of guy. He always had a much more of a Brett Favre sort of mentality, um, sort of, you know, I'll, I'll do it myself if I have to. Um, but, you know, to a certain degree, he wasn't given a lot of other options. You know, it's not like he had uh, Terrell Owens or somebody like that to um, to sort of mask some of his mistakes. But when he committed as many term motivers as he did the last two seasons, uh, there was just no there's no turning back. And honestly, in a lot of ways, I think he cost Doug Peterson his, his job. It's, it's a more than 15 uh, percent of, of how why Doug Peterson is not here is is directly tied to how. The, the fate of Carson Wentz. There's a reason why neither one of them are here. Uh, I know we had a lot of conversations in the, the year um, about which one was going to stay um, between Howie and Carson and Doug. And I don't think any of us thought that it was going to be two out of three and certainly didn't think that it was going to be the, that Howie was going to be the only one standing. So um, yeah. Uh, but here we are now we're, we're weeks away from, you know, the Eagles getting back into preseason Um and from everything we're hearing, things, you know, a lot of the players that have come in are, are, are looking good. I think one of the interesting things that I've been reading about is um, the situation at left tackle. And this is sort of tied back to Howie Roseman because it's looking like trading up to get Andre Dillard might not have been the best move. He is not um, – he's not winning the job from a guy who had never played football before, uh, Jordan Mailata, who seems to have um, – have the edge on uh, becoming the next starting left tackle. Uh, I just hope that this doesn't inspire anyone to call Jason Peters. That's just my big hope. This is about <laughs> I just hope this is not one of those, like, just please play the best guy possible. Don't make it one of these situations where it's like, oh, we invested a first round pick in this guy. We got to pay him or I'm paying this guy more money. We got to play him uh, just to, you know, make a point of thing like Let's just play the best guy possible. And Jordan Mailata is like, yes, he doesn't have like the lifetime football experience that maybe Andre Dillard has, but he's certainly, you know, blessed by the gods with, you know, certain physical attributes um, that, that will help him play football is what I'm getting at. Um, so, you know, maybe that's tough to contend I with. You're just it, calling him handsome. I don't, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean like, you know, handsome man for sure. But um, uh, yeah, but, Maybe you can't compete with that, you know. Like whatever, just play the best guy possible that's going to protect our quarterback. Yeah, and um, 
so that's I think one of the things that we're going to be watching going through camp is is how the offensive line is going to shape up. Um, and Sarah, I wanted to ask you, um, do do you have any thoughts on what you're going to expect from this first time out head coach? Um, a lot of people are giving him almost no. I don't. I don't want to say no credit, but they're they're basically saying that he's got he's never called plays before. He's a complete unknown. Um, the Eagles are screwed. See, I wouldn't go screwed. Um, Look at this. Know. We got a we got a special guest. Hey, hey. Michael Radarcino hey. has joined the show. Hey, we're, we're talking Eagles, man. Well, what, what you do is on the back of it, right? Hold on a second. Yeah, I gotta turn off what, what, I'm look. You gotta, I think I'm that was you. a work call. So, uh, uh, um, All right. oh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> we wait real quick. This episode's title has been Phillies and Nonsense, and we have the nonsense covered for sure. But, um, but Radar, Mike, take it away. I didn't realize that this was actually for your podcast. I yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to drop you off. We were going to just watch the Phillies game uh, before before we went live. But, uh, you know, we went live and, and now you're here. So we got to put you on the spot. How are you feeling about the Carson Wentz injury? Love it. I can't wait for Nick Foles to be the starter. I'm going to go drop $500 for the Colts to go all the way to the Super Bowl. <laughs> do, you think, do you think there's any chance that the Colts would be psychotic enough to bring to make a move to bring in Nick Foles? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you have to be brain dead to do that or totally deaf to the situation. I know that you're not talking about the Phillies, but you're watching it, right? Because I, I got the, go I like, got the go dots up. Wait, wait. No. Are the Phillies up right now? Yeah, They're at bat, right? Four. Are they still batting in the ninth? Yeah, they just bunted with two outs. Yeah, so, Jan- you know, that's, where, that's how we're going. But, yeah, yeah. but I think um, Colts Super Bowl, baby, would be great. <laughs> ridiculous what are you what are you expecting out of nixon what are you eating <laughs> the time, man. I was... all right just give me your thoughts real quick on on nick sirianni and then give me your over under on the eagles this uh this season i'll let you go all right i think nick sirianni huge wild card and because of that i think the eagles are going to go to the super bowl i mean that's what i got all right, i've had enough of this you look you have a nice night I'll talk to <laughs> so it's going to be Eagles Colts Super Bowl. Book it. I, I would love that. I would that there as long as Wentz is not in the game. And boy, did he have a fall for me too, Dave. I wasn't as high on him as as you were. But I mean, I of course thought like, hey, this is our guy. You know, maybe he'll be a you know a, a mid tier uh, franchise quarterback. But he's our guy, he's going to be the, the quarterback in Philadelphia for the next decade. And he oh, was, yeah. he was barely here, you know, of three years of relevance. But um, as for the head coach, I don't think, you know, he's doomed to fail. I don't think, you know, there's a lot of people who have a lot of football experience, you know, just because you haven't called a game in the NFL yet doesn't mean that, it's going to completely derail his his season, his ability to do the job. Now, does he know how to do the job? Is he a good coach? That's who knows. Who knows if this guy is going to be the next Andy Reid, who had a really impressive binder and a really uh, impressive interview. But he might be. 
I, I, I don't think the Eagles are doomed to fail because of him. Um, the Eagles might be doomed to fail because of personnel um, and a, a rookie head coach might not help that, but I, I don't think uh, Sirianni is, you know, is going to be what torpedoes the, the team. Look, I just, here's what, here's what I want to do. I want to go into the NFL season kind of uh, with no expectations, right? I mean, like this is, we haven't been able to do that in a while and it's a completely different way to watch football. It's like, you know, you're not like, okay, we got to win the Super Bowl or we got to win the division or, or anything like that. Like, like, let's just see what happens. You may be pleasantly surprised. You know, everyone's, not everyone, but I'm hearing a lot of people like rail, like Sirianni's not going to be great. You know, he's going to, you know, he's going to struggle, but, but you don't know. Like, you just don't know. Maybe he's, maybe he's like a genius. I don't yeah, know. And it's, and it's not like the Eagles are locked into him. You know, if he, if he goes out there and he has no idea what he's doing, we can have a new head coach next year. And I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not rooting for it, but I'm <laughs> saying like, if the guy is as a, as incompetent as people fear, which it probably isn't, but it, you know, he could get the, the chip Kelly. What did chip Kelly get two years to ruin the franchise or set it back half a decade and, and then gone or I think it was yeah. two years and 15 games. Yeah. <laughs> and then we won a super bowl in two years. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> so we have the first preseason game in nine days. Wow. Isn't that wild? Nine days. I like We'll yeah, well, I'll talk about for sure. <laughs> well, we have the um, the Eagles aren't in it, but we have the Hall of Fame game, right? That has to be coming up really soon. I'll tell you what, I cannot watch preseason football for any. I can barely watch Eagles preseason football. I got to be honest. Well, that's same true for me, but the Hall of Fame game is the football game I convince myself to get excited for every year, and what? I bail. Because it's the first game of the season, <laughs> because the summer has been hot and uncomfortable, and I could use a little bit cooler weather. You know, we have we've been having some cool mornings around here lately. Oh, the you know the Hall of Fame game starts. I am ready for the fall, and I bail on that game within ten minutes. Like it's horrible football about teams I don't care about, but I always get excited every year. Because I'm stupid, but in that game in particular, you get like the real scrubs of the scrubs because they have to be prepared for that game so early. A lot of those guys that coach that game, they they put in a lot of the very marginal roster players to sort of treat it almost like a like a long form scrimmage. Um, it, it's interesting, and and this is one of the interesting years for preseason football for me is because. There's a lot more players on this on this team. And once you get kind of beyond the starters, that I, I don't know anything about. I don't really have any sense of the depth of this team. So it's going to be interesting to sort of see if there are some guys at a cat at a camp uh, or in the preseason that sort of can capture my attention and maybe have some uh, a rooting interest. I, I really hope that sort of just looking around at the way that the national media is sort of talking about the Eagles right now. If you're sort of in the throes of you know finally it's you know, you're able to sort of read about new things about football again. Um, they don't really have any regard for what's happening here at all, if, they, if they're if they even talking about it. Um, I, I'm hoping that there's going to be a point where Eagles fans start to, start to feel that tug of, um, no one likes us, we don't care. 
Um, I'm hoping that there's going to sort of feel the, you know, people are going to slag on Jalen Hurts and that, you know, maybe there's going to be a game early in the season where he's going to do something. And um, we can sort of start to hop on and, and, and he can sort of be our guy. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm sort of uh, without a, uh, w- without that sort of heroic presence uh, on the team right now. You know, a lot of people may have used to gravitate towards Zach Ertz and the way that that situation has been held. Yeah, he's going to be on the team. But like for most of the year, we thought that it was a foregone conclusion through the for the offseason that Zach Ertz was not going to be on this team at the beginning of the year. So I think a lot of people sort of emotionally divorced themselves. Wait, from- is Zach Ertz still on the team or was he substituted with his blonde brother? Well, I mean, it, you, you, it may be some sort of Zach Ertz clone, um, uh, you know, but, you know, he's still got his name is still on the depth chart. Um, but it's hard to root, you know, you, it's hard to, sort of hard to be all in on a guy who... Not getting anything to, in a trade from him is pretty criminal. Yeah, which is, you know, were they just asking too much or did they, did they not want to trade him? It seems like he was pretty much like, yeah, just find me a place to play and I'll go there. Um, but, you know, those are sort of the storylines that have sort of come into this Eagle season. We don't know what we have. We don't know what to expect. Well, and I think, I mean, really from a, from an offensive standpoint, you got Miles Sanders and then you got Devontae Smith. And the, the, the NFL community does not think that that's a very good uh, recipe for a productive offense. I mean, I, I heard on the radio today, I think it was Dave Spadaro saying something like, Quez Watkins is, is very impressive in practice. It's like, oh, wow, really? We're going that we're going that deep for, for Quez Watkins? Like, no, like this is not, not going to be a great offense. This is not going to be a good offense. Yeah, but it, I to, to go back to Gene's point, it's going to be one to be fun to root for just sure. because – I mean, well, it's our team, (laughs) but it's our team. But also, you know, with Hertz and bringing in his college wide receiver, there's a compelling narrative there. And the guy came into a tough situation here and did well. So I really, really, really want to see him succeed. Um, I I want to see that chemistry that him and Devontae Smith apparently had in college. I did not watch a single game of theirs. So I don't know personally, but I hear, you know, they were a really dynamic connection before. So I, I would like to, to see that happen here. But I'm invested in that kid. Like if if Hertz was the one out of town, I'd be rooting for Hertz on the Colts. You know, so I really want to see uh, Jalen Hurts do well. And outside of that, I'm, like you said towards the start of the show, Dave, I'm down for whatever. Show me show me where you are, Eagles. And if enough good things are happening, I can go, okay, there's promise for next season. Uh, the The last thing I want to see is the, the, the cluster that we got last season where – it was dysfunction. It wasn't fun. It, you know, it wasn't even like gossipy drama. It was just misery week after week bad. after week. Yeah. It while we're, I mean, like while while we're still talking, it looks like we're gonna do a half hour on the Eagles today. Um, <laughs> well, while we're on this subject, I mean, do either of you have any sort of issue with the Eagles' like reluctancy to name 
Jalen Hurts as the official QB1 for the Philadelphia Eagles as rumors continue to mount up that they're exploring trades for um, either Deshaun Watson or like keeping availability open in case uh, Aaron Rodgers even becomes available, which I have been banging the drum for. If he ever becomes available, you need to be ready to pounce. Yeah, that's very reminiscent of um, like when Peyton Manning suddenly became an option. But imagine if that happened like 10 years earlier. You know what I mean? You know, Peyton Manning was still really, really good at the end of his career and didn't have half of the arm that he had when he was in Indianapolis, but was still, you know, thankfully he still had that brain and was able to sort of still win a Super Bowl that way. Um, Aaron Rodgers has still got an incredible amount of talent on top of the fact that he is a field general. So um, I agree that you, you'd have to be ready to pounce on it. I, I would hope that that's not what their hesitancy is from. If they're, they're waiting on Aaron Rodgers to become available, because I think that nobody would fault you if you had named Jalen Hurts the starter, but then were able to land Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. Nobody's going to question that, um, you know, you had to make an adjustment. You had to you had to backtrack for something like that. Um, I think yeah, what the, the, I think the endorsement would go a long way towards boosting uh, Jalen Hurts' confidence. I think that if there's one thing that we've learned uh, through the Carson Wentz years is that um, there's nothing wrong with um, making sure that your quarterback's mental health or his uh, his ego, uh, what you know, whatever you want to call it, like his his charisma, his you know, his, his charm, you know, whatever Dungeons and Dragons, uh, <laughs> characteristic you want to, you want to level up for your quarterback. It, it doesn't hurt to make sure that, um, those guys feel like, you know, your, your, your QB one should feel like he's the QB one. Um, so long way to say that it's stupid for the Eagles not to give the guy the job when he's clearly taken all of the snaps and practices, the one, and, um, you know, people are going to keep asking you that question until you answer it. Yeah, I I don't feel strongly about them not officially naming him, but it does seem to create unnecessary drama. But, you know, being the coach's first camp, maybe it's just going to be – and it's – a stupid talking point because if we had Aaron Rodgers, if we had Tom Brady, if we had some, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback, it would be insulting to go. Well, they have to win the job like everybody else. But if that's the shtick, if that's the the bit this year, I don't mind it. But yeah, name him the number one quarterback. He's the only one left in town. And if things change, well, then they change and. That's fine if he can't take the fact that an Aaron Rodgers would come in and take his job, then the the guy's not going to be here for the long term anyway. So. All right. Um, Tim says woohoo, and uh, by by that I figure that the Phillies have just won their third game in a row um, and have beaten the Washington Nationals. Uh, as of right now, Miami is up five to three uh, going into the ninth inning. So it looks like we have a great chance today, possibly being two and a half games out of first place. So let's talk a little Phillies baseball. 
Um, what, uh, what did you, uh, what did you think of the trade deadline? Um, the actions that Dombrowski took at the trade deadline, um, in particular, well, I guess really the only move really of note was, uh, trading Spencer Howard to the Texas Rangers for, uh, Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, and, um, uh, Hans, Hans Kraus. 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 <laughs> Um, I, I like it. It's, it's something maybe I wanted to see more flash at the deadline, but I wasn't scouting other teams. I didn't have a wish list, but if I did, you know, bullpen help and starting pitching help would be on the wish wish list. So I'm, I'm happy there. Um, losing Howard. Fine. You know, I wasn't, you know, th- this wasn't losing, uh, you know, Sixto Sanchez. This was losing somebody as lukewarm on. So I like it. Um, I don't know if it's energized the team or if it's just coincidence that we've now won three in a row and things feel better. But to, to me, it's like, okay, we improved at the deadline. Um, we have this famed second half easy schedule the the Mets are within striking distance for me it's really all coalescing to to get me excited about the Phillies without apprehension for the first time in a in a long time and but my my faith is fragile so if I have apprehension next week I fully admit that my faith is fragile but I'm I'm buying in and I I like the moves at the trade deadline to maybe get the team to buy in or just make the team better. I'll tell you, I like, I like the moves in, in the division in the sense that clearly you, you see one team, another team in the division who is, um, who's fire sailing. You see, you saw Washington nationals, uh, sell off two very big pieces and sort of, um, indicate that they intend on, um, going into some sort of a rebuild. Uh, I, I, so, you know, we've been bunched in this division in a sort of circle of mediocrity. And I think my issue with the trade deadline moves is that I think they did a really good job of staying competitive with this division as it's constructed. But basically, it's like the NL East is having a rock fight while out in the NL West, um, you know, they've got a cold. They're using nuclear weapons. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it is, we, we are, it's almost like we are not even in the same stratosphere as far as the sort of moves that like the Dodgers, I mean, those teams out West are loading up for bear. They're loading up for war. Um, and the Phillies, I think kept pace with, we need to, to keep up with what we have in front of us, but the Mets, did they do anything? I, I can't think of anything of note. The Mets did. The Mets got um, Baez. Okay, they got Baez, but and they, they got Rich first. Hill, and they yeah. got Rich Hill. Yeah, but the, these are not, as you know, these are. But they just lost to Grom, maybe yeah. for the year. I mean, yeah. you never, which you is, never know. Which is, which is tragic, but could very seriously help Wheeler's chances at a Cy Young. Which, so that's the bright side. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, he's he's kind of faded a little bit. Yeah, but you take that. Yeah, you yeah, take yeah. The guy yeah, who sure. was you know, number one with a bullet out of the picture. Um, 
and you go into a pennant race and you overtake that team. Okay. Now look, now let's let I want to talk a little bit more about this trade because if you're a Rangers fan, are are you at are you are you at all happy with this trade? You you you've traded away an all star in Kyle Gibson. You've traded away a you know a decent end of the bullpen guy in Ian Kennedy, and you traded you know you basically gave the Phillies their fourth best prospect in their farm system uh, for Spencer Howard. Now, is Spencer Howard is he? I don't know. Did, did we damage him to the point of no return? Did we? Are we leaving a potential talent on the table here and uh, while shipping him off to, to Texas? Or do we just not know how to – do we just we, – we're like, well, we just don't know what to do with him anymore, so let's just move. Yeah. Um, I, I – we got a hell of a return for, for, for Spencer Howard. It's – I find that a bit baffle, baffling. You know, any two of those pieces would be, you know, pretty damn good so you, you have to hope he lives up to his his scouting you know you have to hope that all right this guy is going to be you know if not a legitimate ace a legitimate starter so i i don't know baseball, i'm gonna read to so you i'm gonna read to you baseball america's um grading of this trade they gave the phillies a b plus they gave the rangers a d minus so let's just read what they wrote about the rangers <clears throat> um they talk about the gallo trade where they sent him to the yankees and they didn't get enough for him but they said the more problematic trade was the one that sent kyle gibson and ian kennedy to the phillies for one of the best starters and closers on the market the rangers received underperforming and injury prone former top prospect spencer howard and prospect right-handers Kevin Gowdy and Josh Gessner. I'm guessing no one on this uh, call knows really who they are, neither of whom ranked in the top 30 prospects in a very shallow Philly system. The best prospect in the deal is actually the one the Rangers traded away, right-handed pitcher Hans Kraus. The deal was among, among the most lopsided of the deadline, yet another failure by the Rangers to fully capitalize on their best trade assets. So everyone who's like, crapping on Dombrowski about like not getting Kimbrell or not getting uh, Brian or, or, or Story or any of these other names that were speculated to being available. It's like, mm, yeah, maybe we should trust the guy that's probably going to be a future Hall of Fame GM. Yeah, I mean, I you could argue that he should have made more moves, but I, I don't know how you could be upset with this one. You know, even if you like Spencer Howard, even if you go... Yeah, I, I really have hope that, you know, another year, a little better luck, this guy's going to be legit. Uh, well, you have to give up something and get something, and the Phillies got a lot. So if you wanted uh, the Phillies to add more at the trade deadline, okay, oh, well, I guess. it's constantly but... the town's expectations. It's like, here's two potatoes, make me a five-course meal. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, like, what do you want? The guy, I mean, to me, to this was a magical fish. trade. What's that? I said you at least have to throw in a couple of fish there. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll get some fish sticks. How about that? <laughs> um, and and look, what I like about what I like most about it is you didn't hang on to Spencer Howard like he's some kind of like 
I don't know, like mythical creature or something like we like did with Dominic like Don Brown. Brown, like we did with JP Crawford, like all these guys, it's like you held onto them for too long. You let their value dissipate and now you want to trade them. What we did with Ben Simmons. It's the same thing that's happening. It's like you sat on it for too long. You could have had Harden. God damn <laughs> well, I, and even in that the the write up of the trade, they mentioned just how poor the Phillies farm system is. Win now, win! Yeah. I don't know how anybody, and I I feel like I'm just beating on this drum, but the the future is now. I I wish it looked better. I, I wish we looked like one of the teams out west that were you know competing to to be, you know, world beaters, but we're not. But the division is within our grasps. It's there for the taking. Let's take it, get in the postseason, and see what the hell happens because it's not like, you know, Redding and Lehigh Valley are exploding with prospects to, to come on this team. It's not. What we have is what we have. Let's get better right now and hope for the best. Yeah, I mean, so Dombrowski basically improved the existing team and replaced the guy he sent with another prospect. So, I mean, like, I I, I don't know. Like, I'm thrilled with this, this team. Now, did you guys watch the video I sent you of uh, Hans Kraus? Yes. Sort of a Hans crazy Kraus. man, and I yeah. love him for it. Um, Got to be on the field 28 minutes before for the game, not a second more, not a, not a minute more, not a minute late. Um He's got all kinds of crazy windups that he's copying off of other goofy pitchers like the Johnny Cueto, like double twist and the Dice K um, or the Hideo. No, I, I don't know, but he's, I don't know. He's a character. So um, I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope to see him in the majors soon. Cause I think he's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, me too. It, it's he, he's either like, a, a serial killer or the boy <laughs> next door because wow. he just has th this innocent farm boy sort of look and the neck tattoos and he's so peculiar and has like an Aubrey uh, an Audrey Hepburn quote um on his Twitter oh, yeah. <laughs> like I, I mean it's a pretty famous like you know nothing's impossible even the word says i'm possible and then like rightfully attributes <laughs> it to to aubrey hepburn and it's just like this dude's this dude is an interesting cat like and like i hope fun interesting and i hope not like basement full of bodies interesting but i'm here for the ride to to they left some ambiguity there. I really hope he's not a serial killer, and I'm pretty sure he's not. But damn, is he interesting? Yeah. Uh, well, and then you, uh, if you saw Spencer Howard's comments, he seems pretty happy to be um, with Texas after being kind of yo-yoed around between like starting and and relieving. And you know, I look, I I, I don't know what Ranger Suarez's feelings are about this whole thing, but I hope he's taking it better than Spencer, Spencer Howard. So um, a bit of a strange, strange situation that we came up with this week where Ian Kennedy closed or finished the, uh, the game in Pittsburgh on Sunday that we won 15 to four. So we had yeah. Kyle Gibson start the game. 
we won that game 15 to four through about 108 pitches in that game. So you could argue that he was overworked, but then we brought in our brand new closer uh, to finish off a game that we were winning by 11. Then he was needed to close the game last night, uh, which was sort of a messy save. or Well, actually, it would turn into a non-save situation before he came into the game, and it got a little messy. And now today, we go into the ninth inning with a one-run lead. It would have been lovely to have uh, you know your newly acquired closer available today, but since Joe used him two days in a row and one of them in a game where you're winning by 11 runs is unavailable today. And we had to bring Avalardo, Alvarado, 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 Alvarado. Sing it to the tune of Desperado. Uh, It's it's like the third ongoing joke is that I cannot pronounce that gentleman's name. (laughs) Um, Is, does Joe know what he's doing? I'll, I'll let Gene start because I have opinions. Um, I, I would, uh, you know, I would love to say absolutely he does, but there are, there have been some decisions that just, I, I can't justify. Um, I don't, I mean, especially for a man who was advertised as this guy knows how to run a bullpen. This guy knows how to run a bullpen. You know, one of the things that I felt was truly lacking in the Gabe Kapler era uh, Giants fans will probably uh, argue with me on this one, but um, I-, I felt that he had no idea what to do with the bullpen. And um, Joe Girardi has not made me a convert that he is some sort of a savant with relief pitchers. Um, do not be fooled with San Francisco and Gabe Kapler. Hitting the most home runs in the league does a lot to help you win. I'll just leave it at that. Do, do you attribute that to his launch angle style of uh of, of I'm management? just saying if your team leads the league in home runs, you're gonna win a lot of games, no matter what you do. He's still not gonna beat he's, they still win the division, but that's neither here nor there. Would you but say hey, they're not know, gonna win are, the division? We are we are secret Giants fans, sort of on this podcast, but it has nothing <laughs> no, to not. do it has nothing to do with uh with, with, no, with we're not secret giant fans. That's not that's not even a thing. I'm secret. I'm a secret money fan. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll put it that way. I'm an overt money fan. Yeah. Um. All right, but yeah, but gonna to your point, the Hall of Fame. But to your point, I, I I don't know. I think Joe's done some some goofy things. He's done inexplicable things. You know, it's. <laughs> We always used to say, you know, the the AL should never have manager of the year because their their job is substantially easier. And Girardi coming over, you know, after all his time with the Yankees, it's not even like the double switch he's messing up. It's I don't understand his decision making. It's it feels like he doesn't have a, a, his finger on the pulse of the team. It's like why. Why are you making the substitution? But now? he won manager of the year with the Marlins. Like he knows how to do it. I don't know. Well, no, no, that's what I was saying. I was saying it yeah. wasn't like, oh, com classic, you know, AL to NL problems. It just seems right. to be yeah, like yeah. pushing the wrong buttons, or I don't understand his decision making. At least with Gabe, it was easy to to mock the you know the the analytics and the the index cards on how to play the position. And 
you know, there were wheels turning up there half the time with Girardi. I'm like, why are you making this change now? Do they have hamsters in them? Do they have hamsters in them? Well, I think they do have hamsters in them. Um, they're not all greased up like <laughs> like Kaplers are. <laughs> but I was talking like coconut oil, and then hamsters it became like in coconut oil. Oh, yeah, but it felt like a Richard Gere thing. Um, <laughs> so, well, I've lost it there, but yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm not too high on Girardi. I I have my my doubts, and they're very loud. I just, I just don't get it. Like, it doesn't seem like you know. Say what you will about Charlie Manuel, but the guy seemed to know his team. He seemed to you know trust the pitcher to go like, hey, leave me in, and he would make the right call there. I don't see Girardi pushing the right buttons, making the right decisions of who to call when. I just think as a manager, the most important thing that you have to do is to manage that bullpen and to bring the right guys in at the right time, preserve the right guys in the right games, look forward ahead in the schedule and make sure that you have like matchups lined up. Like, like, you know, you, you play to win every game, but you also have to have that foresight into like what's coming up tomorrow the next three games, like who's going to be available? Who do I want to use to make not available tomorrow? Um, like that is the management, like all this stuff, like who's going to pinch hit, like whatever, like anybody could do that. Like, Oh, it's a left hand, put the right handed bat up. You know what I mean? Like, like anybody, let's do a defensive replacement. now. Oh, let's do a pinch run. Like, I don't know, whatever. It's pretty easy. Um, <laughs> but I think managing that bullpen is, Hey, look, the Marlins won today and beat the Mets. So Phillies game and a half out. I stand corrected. They're a game and a half out of first place with a big, huge, huge series against the Mets this weekend at Citizens Bank Park. Go to the game. Do not let a Mets fan take your seat. Go to the game and be loud and fight them. If <laughs> no, don't fight them. Well, make, make sure they're vaccinated. What if you're gonna if you're going to fight them? Make sure they're vaccinated or wearing a mask. You got to do this responsibly, yeah. okay? Yeah, it's like, honey, get a mask out of your purse. I'm going to go beat up this Mets fan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank here. you. I want to make sure it's I don't probably get any, the uh... most important Mets series probably in what three years, four years. It's been a while since it's been like a, you know, and we've got some great uh, still on this team. There are some great, you know, Mets rivalry stories. You know, we get. Um, Get Reese Hoskins back just in time. Still not, you know, he's now hobbled, so he can't run fast around the bases. So, um, <laughs> you know, the Mets need to just slow their roll if they're going to start hurling fastballs at people's heads. Um, but I will say this about the about Joe Girardi. Um, the one thing that we all were deeply frustrated with was how we felt like Gabe Kapler had no ability to. And maybe he's learned from this. We don't, I don't know. I don't follow the Giants on a daily basis. He didn't feel like he was managing the personalities. It seems like that the 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 asylum was was being run by the patients during the Kapler years, and that he would often sort of take all of the responsibility for every loss onto himself, and and never was critical or to the point where it seemed like he was completely unaware of what game he was even watching. 
And I think that that bled over into sort of the attitude that the team had. I think that they lost any sense of identity late in seasons. They had no stomach to sort of gut themselves through, uh, you know, those those September games where they had to gut check themselves and 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 win, you know, through will. Um, I'd be interested to see this year in a full season, the full marathon. Now with Girardi in sort of a similar position going into August with a chance to close on the division leader, a better chance than I think Kapler ever had. Let's see if having a traditional manager, a a, a, a real leader, if, let's see if that makes the difference. Kapler had a season where he was in first place at this point. Well, then that's even more disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many Kapler seasons did we have that August swoon? All of them. And, it was all yeah. of the seasons. I mean, and specifically, it was, you know, in 20, what was that, 2018, 2019? It was the first year of this show, I believe. Yeah, it was specifically when we launched this podcast. But, um, you know, Gina, I'm going to give your assessment a lot of credit there because it's something I've had a hard time articulating this season. I I think I said early in the year, I didn't quite know why the Phillies were losing. And now I don't quite know why they're winning. It seems as if they're playing a very simple game that the players have bought in that and Kapler, I can't tell you how many games where it felt like they did not care. You know, it here that, that, that tension is brought back and there, there does seem to be a, even when we were losing more frequently than we are now, it felt like we had a shot in the ninth inning. Now we were losing, but it felt like we had a shot. Who, I, and, I mean, I honestly think like, and and this is this is like you're gonna think it's stupid, but who whoever brought that home run hat in and started to make that a thing, I really feel like that was like the turning point. Yeah, and, and I, I think as dumb that as it is, goes directly yeah. to my point is that. Girardi is able to allow these guys, and I think probably, Sarah, to your point, he's allowing these players to play the game that they love. Um, I think that the problem with what we had with Kapler's systems was that guys got, like, analysis frustration, that they didn't need all of the all of the nonsense that was being shot at them, and they really wanted to just go out and play baseball. And They're they also playing in their positions, frustrated, too. Frustrated. They were playing all sorts. They're of playing their positions. positions, which makes the big difference. Uh, the defense was bad, and then was put into weaker positions um, because they were trying to play some sort of like uh, weird game. And and honestly, I think that if you, with baseball, maybe more than any other sport, if you find a you know if you find the things that are working and you don't mess with them too much, and you let guys do their job because it is like most nine to fives, you, you go to work every day. Um, you know, with football, you don't, <laughs> uh, you, you know, you, you go to work every day, but really Sunday is when you make your money. Uh, I think that with baseball, you need to let guys do their job. You can't, that when you micromanage and you, you overly tweak, I think you end up with, with what happened like with Reed Hoskins. I, I think you end up with guys that are, are broken. 
Well, Gene, let me do my job. And take us to the penalty box! All right. Thank you, Dave. And Dave, I'm going to kick it right back to you. Uh, Dave, who is in your penalty box this evening? So I had a, uh, I kind of had a Jersey Shore uh, weekend over the weekend. How's the uh, we're situation? Down in, what's that? I said, how's the situation? <laughs> good, 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 good. No, uh, I've, <laughs> I feel like if you're south of Atlantic City, you don't get that. So we, we were south of Atlantic City. We were actually in Ocean City. Um, and I had some observations of, uh, you know, shooby behavior. Shoebies still a thing. Do people still say shoebies? Wait, so that was only a, like, South Jersey Shore Point thing? Uh-huh. Or maybe all Jersey Shore Point? You you are from there, and you moved away from there. So, yeah. And I never lived in Jersey. I only heard Shuby until, like, when I met people who were from the Jersey Shore Points. So yeah, I that's think, what we call the people that... Yeah, you know, but you say, is it still a thing? You moved inland. It, it was never a thing here. It was never a thing I guess that's why I don't hear about it anymore. It's because no one's yeah, talking about it. Like, oh, yeah. Damn, we don't talk damn about All right, so listen. Shoobies. Like, so, my God, I'm so irritating. All I do is jam up the Garden State Expressway. Like, no, we don't care. <laughs> we don't care about that. Well, we well I'm a shoebie, so I should expect that behavior out of myself. Exactly. <laughs> Go, go on, complain more about Gene and I. <laughs> Here's the first thing. The arcade, right? I love Jilly's Arcade. You know why I love Jilly's Arcade? Because it's actual arcade games. Who would have thunk it? There's like 30 pinball machines. There's actual like Pac-Man and Galaga in the back. Um, there's, you know, cool like it was Mario Kart races, actual games. It's not just like one of those like ticket arcades where the kids collect like a thousand tickets and they get like a nerf ball or something at the end anyway stop letting your little little child pretend to play the game okay like don't put him in there and like pretend to play house of the dead with the gun (laughs) and they're just like clicking around pretending they're playing because you didn't put any damn money in the machine i would like to play house of the dead (laughs) you're in the way so i'm standing there waiting like <laughs> but you never die in your pretend game. So you just continue to sit there and click away. Bang, 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 bang. Look, Daddy, look how fun this is. <laughs> Take them out or put a dollar in like everybody else. I want to play the video game. Move on. The next thing is the mini golf. Okay. Who takes these small children? It must be tor- you want to torture yourself and bring these small children. Look, it's packed. All right. There's must be a million people on the Ocean City boardwalk. Like there's no, like it's it's a mob scene. First off, COVID doesn't exist there. Don't worry about it. You'll be fine. It's wall to wall people on the boardwalk. Every so everything. It's packed. Mini golf. It's like, do people just try to play mini golf as fast as humanly possible? It's like the second we start this mini golf round, we're just trying to get through it to the end as fast as humanly possible. So we have to be up the literal ass. Of the people in front. And I'm like, no, I'm taking this seriously. I'm trying, I'm trying to break par here. Okay. I don't need you. Like I'm, I'm at the, I'm I'm at the hole. I don't need you teeing up. All right. You got to wait until I clear out of here before you tee up or walk down to get the lay of the greens 
or which hole do I am I supposed to drop it into? Let me let me mosey on down there inside this this nuclear family of four so I could see which tube lines up with the hole properly. No, back up off. I need the person with the sign quiet, like back up. <laughs> I was trying to put here. So um, I think what I'm trying to get at here is uh, if you could be a decent human being at the Jersey Shore and uh, and understand that you are not the star of the world's movie and uh, and just sort of respect other people that are also trying to have like a mini family vacation and, you know, give them space and let them let them play video games. That's it. Whatever right. you want to do with that, you can do with it. All right. To the people who ruin Dave's time at the shore, <laughs> learn some damn etiquette. Let him play his zombie shooter up instead of your child. Take mini golf as seriously, but not more seriously than he does. And you're getting a four minute double minor, two minutes for not you know, recognizing someone's space in another two minutes for not practicing basic human decency. All right, Gene, do you have any personal grievances you'd like to air this evening? Uh, I, I do, actually. Um, and um, this is not necessarily uh, one of those story time with Gene sort of things, but I will say the thing that I am, I am, I am really, really bugging me right now is that, um, I've been watching a lot more action movies lately. I've, and I've gone back and watched a lot of like the classics from the nineties and the eighties and just sort of, uh, the other night I had on, um, I had on Die Hard again for the 200th million time. And I will tell you, there's something that I, I never picked up as a kid, but now in sort of the age of the Marvel universe and all of these sort of bigger action pieces, something that I've noticed and something that I've gotten frustrated, especially with modern blockbusters and action movies is the Easter egg. Um, it's, it's not a phenomenon. You don't go back to the karate kid and look for the Easter eggs, um, in karate kid. You don't, you don't go back to, um, older films and, and look for the Easter eggs. That's, that's something that is now implanted in movies now. And that's fine. It was fine when they were hidden. Now that's the whole premise of an Easter egg. Now I feel like they must have somebody on staff that goes through the script or goes through frame by frame and inserts things and basically circles them in red to be like some YouTuber needs to notice this so that they can get clicks. Maybe it's all the same lizard people conspiracy. I don't know. But the one that is the most egregious to me, and this is the one that goes the, the furthest back, is not a visual Easter egg. It is an audio Easter egg. And I should have done my homework and sent this to Dave so that he could play it for you. But honestly, when I say the name of it, you're all going to know what it is anyway. It's called the Wilhelm scream. Have you heard the Wilhelm scream? If you, can't, if you can't picture it in your mind, trust me, if you heard it, you would know exactly what it is. And the reason why the Wilhelm scream frustrates me is because anytime I hear it, it immediately takes me out of whatever movie I am in, whatever scene I am I'm watching, because the whole point of it was to be hidden. And, and it was sort of an in-joke with audio engineers that they would know oh, we're using the same scream, but now it's become so epidemic that it becomes something that literally takes me out of the world of the movie and puts me into the world of, oh, that's that 
pop culture thing that people talk about that I'm now going to think about for five seconds, and I'm going to need to rewind the movie because I'm so distracted that I can't focus on what just got blown up. So I would like to put Wilhelm and his scream in the penalty box so that I can at least sort of forget what it sounds like in my mind's eye. All right. So filmmakers and movie producers and whoever you may be, if you're making a creative decision, try to be more clever in your references. Don't do Wilhelm. This is a collection of Wilhelm screen. That's it. Oh, that guy when he was like, ah, ah. yeah, that's yeah, it. yeah. It's it's you it's probably epidemic. notice it mostly from Star Wars. Yeah, I mean yeah, it's yeah, in yeah. lots of other things, but it's very prominent in Star Wars. So, audio engineers, be more creative in your Easter eggs. Don't put them right in their face. And Gene, never watch Stranger Things. Um, <laughs> Easter bunnies, be better. Oh, I turned the volume down. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Sarah, who's in your penalty box tonight? Um, I have several candidates, but I'm going with Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus has been around since November of 2018, I believe. Um, it's been around for a while. It's going on, you know, been here at least two years. So I guess 2019. 2019. Um, and... Its interface was clunky to begin with, but I thought they would, you know, fix it. They never did. The Disney Plus interface is a freaking disgrace. And Annoying. someone tell me, can you trademark an interface? Like, just steal one. Like, you don't need to steal the software, but just like, don't steal it from Peacock. No, don't steal from Peacock. Peacock, <laughs> oh a lot of them stink. Yeah. Give me a give me a resume or start from the beginning. Give me yeah. a continue watching sort of thing. Give me your favorites thing. Don't hide the watch list over on the corner. They finally put in like a a place to type that's easy to find in the search. I mean, every freaking episode of DuckTales, which is my kids' new favorite and also mine. I love the DuckTales reboot. It's really good. It um but every episode ends with the end credits. Like we go, sorry, that sounded really stupid. Every episode we go to watch starts with the end credits because we You're skip funny. to the next episode and it's like, oh, hey, uh, we want to watch uh, Double O Duck. All right, we'll put on Double O Duck. Well, here's the end. You know, yeah. it's every single time just start at the beginning or like, Papa, would you like to start at the beginning? So, like, Disney, why didn't you buy another company? That's what you do. You don't come up with your own ideas. You should have just bought Netflix or buy anything that's remotely functional or steal what you can steal. Just make it better. You've had two years for year, And most of us were locked inside for the, the past year and a half. We're probably going to be locked inside come the winter. Uh, the winter. Yes. All right, I actually said wiener instead of winter, <laughs> so I'm done. Um, Disney Plus, you're going in the penalty box for not stealing properly. Two minutes for not stealing properly. All right, that is all the time we have for today. We'll be back next Tuesday talking about 
Phillies, maybe maybe in first place by then. <clears throat> Eagles getting ready for a preseason game. Um, what a closing ceremonies. Who the hell knows? Um, so if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening week, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. And make sure you check out and follow the Painted Lines on YouTube for your wall-to-wall Philly sports coverage. Um, I think that's all. So until next week, have a great day at work, everybody. Remember, it is not illegal to, ki- to kill a praying mantis. Um, and we are out of here. 